Alright guys, welcome to CLD Talks. I'm your host Connor Maxwell. Today I'm speaking to Kevin Gillick who shares his experience from working in North Lanarkshire doing loads of different pieces of work and now he is a youth worker in Shetland based within a school. This is his story, I hope you guys enjoy. Here's Kevin. Kevin, it would just be great if you could just tell us a wee bit about yourself and your career in CLD so far. So um, I guess probably starting off with how I'm a really great example of how a young person can go through the service um, as a young person participating in youth work um, to a professional youth worker. Um, So it all kind of started um, by going to your local youth club. Um, So it was kind of at the end of primary school that we started going probably about P6 or 7. Um, And it was a lot different probably to what youth club is now because it was always mobbed. Your whole year went to primary school and you knew you were missing out if you didn't go. So we kind of went for a couple of years and then in 2012, we had the opportunity to go to a residential as part of the No Nice Better Lives programme to train up to be peer educators and to deliver workshops to other young people. So we went away for um, a weekend, did all the training, came back and we formed a new group. So it was the Co-Pridge education group um, and then from there it just kind of spiraled so I joined my local youth forum and became the first ever uh, public relations officer dealing with all the social media and that for the group uh, doing events and stuff and then I also became a youth legacy ambassador for the Commonwealth Games with Young Scott and um, so I just kind of did those three projects as a young person um, and it was really great just to have that really positive youth work experience um, going through. When I was uh, 17 I got my first youth group um, and became a part-time youth worker for North Lancashire Council while working at Thornton's over in Glasgow Fort. Um, and I was really nice. rubbish at the icing on people's names. I could not do that to save myself. <laughs> it was quite funny. Um, and then um, I just turned 18. Um, I left school and, uh, at Christmas because I was doing five hires. It was too difficult and I didn't like it. So I went to college for six months and then um, went to Camp America. So I went to Camp High Hopes. Um, in Iowa, which was an ASN summer camp for uh, young people and adults with complex additional support needs. Um, and I thought, like, when we were going, we'd just be putting on these really cool, fun activities. But no, we were, like, getting people dressed in the morning, getting them sorted, dealing with, like, taking them to the toilet, all this kind of stuff. You said to do personal care? Yeah. yeah. Yep, I had to do all of that, showering people. Um, it was quite hard-hitting <laughs> when I was like literally just turned 18 and went and thought oh this would be great and then it was completely different but it was really fun and um, we actually had a one-to-one week so it's like when someone's needs that are so complex that they need a one-to-one worker with them all the time mm-hmm. so the guy was the same age as me and his he was non-verbal couldn't hear couldn't see and his way of saying that he didn't want to do anything was headbutting you so <laughs> I used to get grabbed up by the shoulders and get headbutt like when he didn't want to do it. <laughs> It was really funny. Well, it wasn't funny at the time. It was actually quite hard, but it was really um, good. And I also learned how to, like, um, feed, like, they wouldn't give you extra time for, like, your dinner or anything. Everyone kind of sat at dinner, and then you had to, like, take that person to go for a shower or go for Amazon or whatever it was. You had to learn to, like, feed someone else and you at the same time. So it was, like, one hand for that person, one hand for you. And yeah. quite different. But it was good. It was good. And you get to take... Um, we took people swimming, and it was, like... People who are wheelchair bound swimming is a really good thing because you can lift them up and float them about and stuff because they're really light in the water. So we learned a lot of really good um, skills and stuff, and it really taught me to have 
a lot of patience when you're working with people because things don't happen overnight, the way kind of things and just giving people their own time. So it was a really good kind of building block for the start of my um, professional practice. Um, after that, um, we kind of done that. We worked for two months and then we travelled from San Francisco to New York along the bottom of America for a month. So went to like the Grand Canyon, uh, Graceland, like all these kind of really cool places. So it was good though. And then I came home um, and then I kind of messed about for six months doing like call centre jobs and that. And then my old boss saw that on Facebook um, the uni were looking for people for um, to do call meds. And I was like, oh, there's no way I'm going to get accepted. I've got no hires. Don't even know what I'm doing. But I just emailed them and I was like, this is all my experience. This is what's happening. Would I be able to get in? And um, they just, I think I applied on the Monday and they let me in by the Wednesday. It was all very informal. So it was. That's rapid. Yeah, it was really, really good. And then I think uni maybe started the week after or something. So I just started at uni um, and I still had kind of youth groups in the side. So it was really good just to get in there. Um, so it was and it was really good I liked uni because wasn't really doing anything I was just kind of doing youth work on the side but this was the kind of first kind of professional like step into it so it was really good and probably for the start of uni like I really struggled with the essay writing and like the English side of things because obviously you've got your reference and all that and it's just a bit of a nightmare at the start but it was good because I had loads of practical experience in youth work and other people didn't so we kind of paired up and people helped me with my English and I helped people with their practical kind of thinking about barriers that young people face, uh, young people face and issues and that kind of stuff so it was really good yeah, definitely and that's it was the same with me the, it was the writing side of things I, I really struggled with to start with and but you learn it and people like that they support you and help you and eventually you sort of get an understanding of what you're meant to be doing um, mm-hmm. and then you hopefully just wing it and it sort of it works sometimes isn't it <laughs> yeah it's really tricky, so it is. I like doing the group assignments more, if I'm being honest. So I've got to like make posters and all that rubbish, but it was good. It was a good laugh, so it was. But were you in were you in positivity or did you do activism in second year? Uh, positivity. We made the Aye. board game. What board game did you do? I can't even remember. I can't remember. I think it was like one with cards. It was like cards and you had to pick up certain cards and they had like positive quotes and stuff on them. It was kind of like Monopoly, I think we done we kind of the person in our group painted a monopoly board and it was like different ways that you moved around it i i think i do i i do remember that we done um ours was like a knock and snakes and ladders so it was i'm sure it was something like that aye, i did remember that that was good aye. Aye. big shout out to al snakes and ladders <laughs> team here we go positive <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a good laugh so it was um and then like the whole way through uni i'd done um different stuff over the summer because you get uni off April to September so it's quite a big chunk of your time that you're not in uni and um, so we like I think I did I worked in a um, caravan site as a youth worker one year so that was quite interesting it was kind of like planning a full summer program and then delivering it for young people who were um, like paying site fees and stuff so it was a bit of a different well not the game but their parents were paying for site fees and they expected certain things and they had a say in what their program was going to be like and stuff so it was quite interesting. And then me and um, Audrey went to Thailand for the last year of uni in summer. So we went to um, Chiang Mai and we taught monks English for a month. And then we went into primary schools and taught English there as well. So it was pretty cool. That's amazing. How was that, teaching monks English? It was good fun, actually. They were all dressed. It was like novice monks. So they're like training to be monks, kind of. Um, But they don't all get accepted into like full adulthood. So they don't. It was quite a, a, a culture shock because it was roasting for a start. 
all the time. There was no little bit of that. Um, but when you went in, like you had to go barefoot. So you like took your shoes off um, and stuff. And then it was like, uh, you would be teaching and then you would be planning sessions. So we did stuff on like the human body, like body parts, uh, food, uh, clothes, like all that kind of stuff. And then we went out um, at night and delivered stuff at like sort of youth hostel kind of places. So it was like loads of young people there um, that were maybe staying too far away from where the school was. So they stayed in the hostel. So it's quite interesting. And we used to do stuff like the human knot or one step tag and all the kind of youth worker games with them, which was pretty fun. Oh, that's amazing, man. That's some experience. It wasn't too bad. It was really good. Glad that I did that because it was good to see where other places do their schooling and all that. And it's just dead interesting to be somewhere where they speak another language because it was quite a big barrier because obviously our accents are quite strong and you had to speak like really clearly and almost with like an English accent, like a stereotypical English accent for them to understand you. So it was interesting trying to go over all of that. Yeah, uh, it must have been so hard, but so rewarding. Yeah, it was great. Um, and then I came back from that. I think I did maybe the last year at uni or something. Yeah, I did. I did the last year at uni when I came back from Thailand. And then finished uni. Um, I had all my placements and all that done. And then I wasn't really too sure what I was doing. So I was just sitting at a computer one day in the office. And we seen this job that came up for um, Shetland. And I was like, Oh, I'll never get that, but I'll put in for it because it's good interview experience. And it was um, for a youth development worker at the biggest high school in Shetland. It's called the Anderson High School in Lerwick. So I put in for it, done my application. I was like, just forget about that. That's fine. Never going to happen. Um, and then they were like, oh, you've got an interview. When do you want to come up? Or like over Skype. And I thought, well, I'll go up in the boat, see what happens, get a feel for the place. So I booked the boat. Um, and it was like the boat, it takes 12 hours to get to Shetland from Aberdeen. So you've got to drive three hours to Aberdeen and then get a 12-hour boat journey all the way up. I didn't realise it was 12 hours. Yep, 12 hours. So it's a bit crazy. It's like seven at night till seven in the morning. Wow. So it's a bit crazy. You can get the boat, uh, the plane, sorry, to Glasgow and it only takes an hour, but you're actually closer to Norway than you are to like mainland Scotland. Seriously? Yeah. You're, that's where you're close to McDonald's is in Norway. <laughs> there's no McDonald's in Shetland. So it's oh, get an Uber Eats. Yeah, <laughs> Uber my boat. <laughs> so it's a bit crazy, but it's good fun. Um, so I went up um, and down in the one day, but I'd done my interview, I remember, because the boat gets in at seven in the morning. It was teeming a rain. It was in the maybe the June or something, but it was absolutely teeming a rain. There's no shops open off this boat to this place I'd never been and I was just like oh my god what have you done ran to a nearby bus shelter because it was absolutely telling it down and then I'd had my interview clothes in my bag so I went to the youth hostel that was kind of next to the community centre where I was doing my interview and they let me in for a shower and get changed and all that so that was fine and then it all cleared up and I think I had my interview in the afternoon but I was absolutely terrified I had pages of notes in with me for this interview so it was fine, dead relaxed. So it was, it was great. And then kind of went back down in the one day in the boat. So left, it was like you come in seven in the morning, same day, went back out seven at night, back home for seven in the morning in Aberdeen and then drove home. So that was fine. Sorted all of that. Maybe about three or four days later, I got a phone call and it was like, oh, you're actually the preferred candidate for the job. And I was like, okay, that's great. Yeah, we'll just go for that. Obviously, like I'm quite impulsive, so I don't really think about these kind of things. So it just jumped head first right into it. Yeah, we'll go for that. That's great. 
Um, and then about, I think I'd handed my notice in and I was booking the boat and I remember messaging my boss here in Scotland and was like, this is all becoming very real. Like, what am I going to do? <laughs> it was quite funny. And then um, a couple of days after that, I was like packing all my stuff away. And then just um, come up here with six vacuum bags full of clothes and haven't really looked back. Um, just kind of get flung straight into work and... In a high school, it's dead busy. It's been a really big change from like uh, community-based youth work where you're always waiting on young people. You don't know who's going to turn up on the night. You don't know how it's going to go. But in, in here, it's like they've got to be in school. You'll see them all the time. You know that if you're going to get them, then they'll be there. So it's been yeah. quite a big difference, but it's been good. Um, and they actually don't have a school uniform here. They just wear their own clothes. Oh, that's cool. So I actually walked in first day and I was like, is it non-school uniform day? What's what's going on? <laughs> Because I've already paid a pound, do you know what it was like? So it was quite funny, but it's good. It's been a good laugh. And it's um, in August, no, September this year, it'll be coming up for two years since I got the job. So it's really good. But there's literally no McDonald's. Uh, there's an M Co. Peacocks, Tesco, Co-op. That's it. It's literally all your tank. So it is. So it's a bit of a far cry for Glasgow. And going out for the day, you can probably make it around the main street in an hour and a half. So it's just quite interesting, but it's a lot safer. There's not as much crime. Um, and there's barriers that you wouldn't really, like the typical barriers that we would expect coming from the central belt would be like knife crime, drugs, alcohol, mm-hmm. gang culture, like all this kind of stuff doesn't really exist as much. So it's more stuff like transport because everyone in the island's so spread out and um, worrying about people who, like how they're going to get to events if you're having them and maybe money, like all that kind of stuff. So it's just really thinking outside the box, but it's been really great. Um, just getting used to everything and working here for two years to positively um, improve outcomes for all the young people in the school. It's great to kind of do all of that. So, yeah, that's probably where I'm up to uh, right now. <laughs> but it's just crazy. It shows you like that chance decision and being like, oh, I think I'll go for a residential with my pals. It sounds good, but no nice bit life thing. We'll just go for that. And then you're a youth worker in a school in Shetland <laughs> like a couple uh, since 2012. So it's that. So eight, nine years later. Nine years. So that's it. It's crazy. But even then, you would never have sat in then thought that when you would move to Shetland and go somewhere as remote. Yeah. Going, so how have you found the move? Like being from, because obviously for the hustle and bustle for the central belt and you're a dead sociable person going from all these nights out and all these different things to where you're now. It's crazy, honest to God. There's only one nightclub. It's called Dawil. So it's not the wheel, the wheel, that's how cool it is. <laughs> it's got a light-up dance floor like in Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, so it's quite funny. But it's been, it has been interesting and it's taken a lot of getting used to like being away from family and stuff, especially during lockdown because I've spent a lot of that kind of on my own. But work's been a really good um, distraction and that's probably one thing that I would say is that because you're in, in the school but you're employed by youth services, it's a bit different because you're technically part of two teams. Mm-hmm. So it's been really good because the both the staff teams in the school and in youth services have been really great. We've had virtual nights out. Um, I got that, um, you know, that craft gin box thing that you get delivered every month. Yeah. That has been a godsend, so it has. So it's been really good to get that. Um, and just, like, kind of thinking outside the box. A lot of work stuff, to be honest. I've not really done anything else. I've been uh, out walking and exploring. So I went up to Unst, which is the most um, the highest up island in Shetland. It's the most remote. So you've got to take two ferries to get to Unst. So you do on the car. Um, and you can 
there, there's like loads of places that you can go in Shetland that's just surprises you a lot outdoorsy places and there's a gin distillery um, and just different stuff it's been really great just kind of getting used to the culture and getting to know people yeah, definitely and it's such a good opportunity and so it is and, and what I was a youth worker based in a school for three years and it's the work you can do is amazing and just yeah. in, a, in the way the young people are there so mm-hmm. you're not having to chase them um, they still have that element of choice if they want to engage in you, with you mm-hmm. but it's, uh, it's so good I, I loved my job when I done that and it was really really good and I, I yeah. recommend folk doing school based youth work it's, it is so valuable definitely it's completely different so it is to be in a, in a community so it is it's almost like you're because you're the only youth worker it's like you're kind of managing all the youth work opportunities and the provision for the, like a whole community on its own like being the school so it's just a bit crazy and you can take it from so many angles like I've got a uh, club achieve which works with young people who maybe don't have a lot of confidence or um don't have many friends to behavioral issues like all this kind of stuff it's a real mix um right all the way through to like s6 who have got um like duke of edinburgh and they just want it for their ucas so it's just shows you and you can even take like family angles one-to-ones like it's just the spice of life really with the variety in it it's great hi hi definitely man so then how have you found so when how did you find the transition from being a young person to becoming a member of staff um, when you were down in Coatbridge? Um, well, I had to think about this one quite a lot. And I don't really remember it happening vividly, but I remember a situation quite clearly. So I was a founding member of that peer education group where it all started. And then the worker left and I'd just gotten, like the way it worked in Northland was you got your job as an assistant support worker and you went into the bank so like I'd gotten a youth group one night a week I think and then because I was in the bank the uh, head person for that peer education group was like oh why don't you become the youth worker for the peer education group it'd be great you've had all your training ideal perfect fit but the thing was all of my friends for school uh, from school were still in that group so we'd done it for a number of years uh, they were kind of just at the kind of last six months of their journey like they were all it was as if they weren't really doing anything they were just coming to eat they weren't delivering workshops and it was just more like a hangout place so it was really hard for me coming into that group because they were like oh well who are you telling us what to do and like I was trying to get them to do work and plan workshops and that and they were like we're not listening to you and all this so it was really difficult and um, we just kind of had to wait until they were leaving and then just focus on recruiting new young people but I remember that being a really big um, challenge for me because you'd went from like kind of following the norm of having like them coming in, having snacks with them, being able to hang out. And then it was like, you've got all this responsibility, you're getting paid to be here, all this kind of stuff where you have to think about it. So it was really challenging, but it was good. It's a good learning curve, so it was. And the young people don't really understand or really get the changing position for that point of view because they look at you as who you are so it is that then what you're telling me to do that for and gain you a bit of jip and um i think I'll, that's something that um, adele who'd spoken another podcast she's a similar thing where it was a lot of her cousins were maybe doing are still at the youth club so she had the same sort of struggle of that but then when they moved on is when she was able to really get into it um, and it was similar yeah. i had a similar sort of experience as well mm-hmm can be really tricky so it can and it depends like what kind of experience you've had with them as well as how they'll treat you as a worker 
I guess, because you know them on a personal level, whereas usually when we're starting out with a young person, it'll be a completely new relationship and you've got that time to build it positively or negatively or however you want to affect it, but it just depends. But obviously they know you, maybe you were just messing about when you were younger and they know you as that kind of person who was messing about, but now you've got to be a professional and you've got to work with them, so it's quite tricky. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so then what sort of, what role models do you think you've had in starting your career and from starting at even a volunteering to now? Um, well, I was thinking about this as well um, because I was living in North Lanarkshire, working in North Lanarkshire for like the past like five years before I got this job and then volunteering for so long before it. Um, there's two people that really stick out to me. So it's um, Kirsten Thompson, who is and Amy uh, Reynolds from Northland, who are Youth Participation Engagement Officers. So they worked with me um, both as a young person and as a worker. So it was really good um, to have that kind of support and transition. It worked really well. Um, but Kirsten took me for Youth Legacy Ambassadors and Amy had me for um, Youth Forum and Peer Ed. So it really influenced a lot of that, kind of having that positive youth work experience from them. To becoming a worker, I done my uh, uni placement with the two of them for one year as well. So it was really good, and it's been great because a lot of my youth work practice and how I do things comes from them, and I'm always kind of drawn on them for inspiration from things like icebreakers that we done when we were at youth group, or maybe you think back to an activity that you done really well, and it's all because of them or the relationship that we had, and just the way it all works out. So it's been really great just having that. Right from the get-go, being in a group as a young person, being really positive to having that great relationship with them as a boss eventually, and then just working with them in partnership to be able to do different things. It's been great. And the uh, unique experience was all around year of young people. So it was very much like a um, central role. So it was like they work, um, you get like localities and then you get like a lo local authority level. So they worked in like the head office for and CLD and the local authority and that's where I did my uni placement so it was good to work with like other workers and then getting advice from them and kind of taking best practice from all of that so it's been great just to learn from them and get all the tricks of the trade. Yeah, so what did you do for you were the young people? Uh, what didn't we do? More to the point. It was crazy <laughs> so it was I just felt like it was it was a good year but it was the busiest year I think I've ever had in my whole life. We did it was like uh, highlight videos for every month about activity that was going on we did um, an end of year celebration. We managed to get DJs and there was like hundreds of young people in Airdrie Town Hall um, doing different things. And we had like mocktails and all that. So that was a good year end thing. But we did um, an event called uh, Rig Fest. So it was like in Palace Rig Country Park where the young people from the local youth council got money and it was to do an outdoor education event. So we managed to rope in like Palace Rig uh, Country Park Rangers um, RSPB, all these kind of places that were able to help out with um, different stuff, which was great. And just, it was a really good um, place for me to be because it taught me about um, like different ways of doing things because a lot of my experience up until then had been in youth groups, but this was more like a local authority level dealing with events and um, managing like different young people, different projects funding bids, like all this kind of stuff. And even stupid stuff like using the printer, like I actually couldn't even tell you how to use a printer in an office until that uni placement. Or even how to use Excel, which I absolutely still dread. I can't do Excel anymore, but I used to be quite good at it. Um, but just stupid stuff like that. It's been really good just to learn even like um, 
like uh, you know the snipping tool on your computer it's like a screenshot yeah. that is a top tip for anyone so I would recommend that so it cuts down a lot of time but just stuff like that that really shows you like the how effectively you can work with young people and in an office and kind of make the best of your time yeah, and the office works out as a massive part of what we do, and it's something that I think the majority of CLD workers will say that they hate, and they would rather yeah. not be there. But it is so vital for even the funding bids for the collation and the evaluation of what you're doing, because if you don't do that, then you can't offer a um, really good program for the young people or the projects can't evolve and do mm-hmm. that part. So it's it's good to get that experience. Um, yeah. I'd, I couldn't work a printer as well. That was my thing, especially because the ones that you get are these big, massive units. Like it's not just like the maybe a wee tabletop one you have in the house, and it's like, can I get a few copies of this? And I, I, I remember that one. That was like a. This is bigger than me. <laughs> I know. Oh, it's a nightmare. So it's even in school sometimes I'm like, oh my god. And when I say see you've got a jam, and then you've got to open all the doors to find out where the jam is, it's just a nightmare. Uh, and then people just expect you to know how to fix it. And then, especially with the jam, it tells you it's in whatever bit it is, and then it never is that bit. And then you're <laughs> no, just sitting slamming this door. Hi. <laughs> they, are, they are the good times of being a CLD worker. See if you can fix a printer, you've made it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the things you do, you never think to yourself, oh, this isn't what I saw myself see when I finished uni. There was, what was it I had the other day? Not the other day, last term. My um, S5 Achieve group were doing their enterprise project, so they picked to do dried fruit wreaths to sell to staff. So there was me buying all this fruit. And then I got to home and I was like, right, I need to dry this fruit. So I literally had trays of fruit in the oven, like overnight for about three days trying to dry fruit. And I thought to myself, so you know, I was at uni, who actually would have thought that I'd be sitting here drying fruit for all of this? <laughs> it was a bit crazy. It was just a bit of a like WTF moment to be like, what is going on here? Uh, you just see yourself doing the unimaginable. You, like, you never know what you're going to be doing. Aye, totally, man, totally. So then how's um, COVID impacted the work that you're currently doing now? Um, well, it's been uh, interesting, I would say. It's been more uh, responsive. Um, a lot of my work to like needs of young people, needs of groups, um, so like in the first lockdown, we were doing obviously a lot of online stuff because schools weren't open. So uh, we kind of were looking at transitions. So I was going to do a summer school where they would come for a week in school during the summer and do like a whole host of kind of youth work activities. And it would be really fun, but we were in lockdown and we couldn't do that. So we done it on a private Facebook group um, where parents could join in. So we had 16 young people and it was over a full week. So we'd done stuff. It was basically like a showcase of all the skills that we'd learned over lockdown so it was like Netflix parties doing STEM activities online doing cooking watching them cook then you were cooking making cupcakes and all that kind of stuff and it was really good and uh, really successful and just and then we were back and at school and like making up and we got funding to make up 250 well-being packs so we contacted the supplier and got stuff like um see the good and everyday notepads stress balls like all this kind of stuff for people coming back into school that was really good and then like the summer, the weather was really good. So we were doing one-to-one walks outside. And so I think I had like 11 young people over the whole summer that I seen weekly um, that would normally get the support in school but didn't get it because of lockdown. So it just feels a bit like the second lockdown has been a bit of a race to the finish line because there's a lot of um, accredited groups in school that I've got. So like normally S6 have an opportunities event that they can sign up to. So people come from like 
external organisations, whatever they can do, like a bit of everything, or mm-hmm. just decide. But they've only had what I can offer them this year because we're not allowed any prisoners into school and they're not really meant to be getting out. So it's like Duke of Edinburgh, Young Enterprise, MVP and Pupil Council, but they're all, they've all got an accreditation attached to them. And because we've been in lockdown, you just feel like you're kind of racing to like towards the, end, towards the end of the year with them. Um, but it's been good. It has been good. It's just been a bit stressful and it'll be good, I think, um, when we're back in school after summer to have my first kind of normal, whatever normal is, <laughs> year at school, um, just to kind of run things. But even just thinking about stuff like health and safety, like when I was going to the head teacher at the start of the year, it was a lot of like, nope, we can't do this. Nope, no, no, no. There was a lot of no's. And then um, I think it's just being aware of like what you actually can do. Um, so it was like stuff like um, in the run up to Christmas, the Duke of Edinburgh S6 and S4 group had their volunteering section to do. So I was working on that with them for their first bit. And then now they're coming on the expedition, but for their volunteering, they wanted to do a Sunday tea. So it's like a, Sunday tea is usually in a hall in Shetland and people make cakes, they bring them, usually really good and dead busy, but we couldn't do that. So they wanted to do Sunday tea takeaway boxes. Um, so they were going to run a takeaway service from the back of the school and people would come and collect it, but they would have their masks on, the money would be put in bags and get left and all this kind of stuff for mm-hmm. the contact. So they were able to open the canteen and the um, home economic staffs to help them pull it off and they actually raised um, £850 for the food bank. That's amazing. So it's really good. And it, I don't think COVID stopped us doing anything in school. I think because schools have been open and you still had access to them, like there's nothing really that we've been like, no, we definitely can't do that. It's just thinking about how to do it differently. So it's like stuff, I'm trying to think, like the LGBT group, um, because that has to be open to all year groups, we've had to get a room that's big enough and space each year group out two metres apart. So we have, so they're all at different ends of the room and I'm at one end of the room. So it's just thinking about it differently and how you can actually make it happen rather than just saying, oh no, well, we definitely can't do that. It's yeah, even stuff that um, pupil council has been split up. So they're split up into first, second year. They've got a link teacher for that, third, fourth year, another link teacher, and then I've got fifth and sixth year, but they're all meeting at different days and different times and different places. So they're not like cross-contaminating and they're staying in their bubbles and all this. So it's just been a lot of kind of health and safety stuff coming back in, but it's been, it's been fine. Last lockdown, I was chasing people for their accreditation. I was video calling people and texting them and chasing, like hunting them down because they'd only had one thing to do. But you just get there in the end. You always find a way. So. Aye, we definitely do. We definitely do. And that's good that you were able to adapt and find a ways of as just working around the rules and understanding the guidance that's been gave to us and mm-hmm. try to work out that locally to where you are to make sure we can do it, man. No, that's probably yeah. that you've never really lost anything for that you were able to keep going. Yeah, it was good. And even like learn how to do Minecraft. Like I never knew how to do Minecraft and it still takes me about an hour and a half to build a house because I'm totally rubbish at it. <laughs> we got someone to build, um, like I used it at summer school, but someone built a map of Lerwick, the main town in Shetland, into Minecraft. So it was like in Minecraft, they joined from their house at summer school and for their transition, I dropped them off at the school and they could see like the schools that locked next to it so they could see that there's Tesco and then there's like all these different places they can go for lunch so they could actually walk about and explore without going anywhere so it was a really good tool um, for that's just amazing it was great yeah from a transition perspective it was really good to show them like where everything was and talk them through it and all of that was great that's incredible i'd love to see that i'd love to even if there's any screenshots or whatever man that'd be so cool 
Well, I knew how to send it. I would send it. <laughs> I don't know how to do it. You might need to show me. <laughs> aye, do you know, mine, Minecraft's no I, I'm good with a, a lot of the other games that have sort of come out, but aye, I don't really, I don't have the patience, I think, for Minecraft. Yeah. I think that's probably the best way. Um, but Fortnite, FIFA, Rocket League, yeah. that, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know, I didn't realise it was such a big thing. Minecraft, I thought it was only like younger people that played it, but it's like... Everybody plays it apparently. So uh, why did you decide in a career in CLD? Um, well, I think like when you speak to a lot of people, they um, they kind of fall into a career in CLD, so they do. And I um, hadn't really thought about it seriously for a long time. So my dad's a window cleaner. So I tried that for about a couple of months and it honestly was the worst job I've ever had in my whole life. It was horrendous. Because it was like windy one day. <laughs> I was at the top, like doing somebody's window with a squeegee, and the ladders just came from underneath me, and I fell off the ladder. <laughs> so I was kind of put off after that. Um, so that was a no. And then my mum's a hairdresser, so I went for an interview in Rainbow Room and didn't get it. So I was like, "There's no way I'm going to do that." But I tried, like, when I was at uni, I'd done bar work, nightclubs, and like call centres, and just tried a load of like really kind of dead end jobs that I wasn't really like that interested in. Um, and I just thought. Youth work's always something that I've been involved in, so why stop now? And just kind of kept going with it and just seeing where it takes you. Because you never know, like anything, where you're going to end up and you could be in Coatbridge one minute, Shetland the next, Thailand another minute. Like, you just don't know. It's just a bit crazy that um, all of it's kind of happened and it's not really until you look back that you actually think, wow, it's actually... And it's been quite a short space of time. Like, I'm only 24, so it's not even as if. Like it's been that long for you. I started working and you've done all that, but it's yeah. been good. And I think just having that kind of positive experience and I still have like a great time when I work when like I'm in school, like it doesn't even feel like I'm working half the time and your day flies in and it's really great, I think, because you've got that, um, like you're following your timetable. So it's quite regimented and I think I really like that because sometimes when I'm in the office, on my own, I don't get anything done because I just sit and procrastinate all the time. But like, because you're in school, you reflect, you reflect, no procrastinating, <laughs> yeah. you reflect. That's it. Because <laughs> um, you're in school and you've got your timetable, you're kind of forced to do stuff. So it's like people are waiting on you or you need to have stuff ready for your next class. So it's really good that you've got that kind of driver. Yeah, oh, 100% definitely, man. So I know that you've probably got quite a few and you've maybe mentioned a few of them, but have you got any memorable moments or highlights that you'd like uh, to share? Yeah, I've actually got two, so you're getting your money's worth out of me today. Oh, here we go, here we go. <laughs> um, so the first one was, um, it was uh, in my last year working at North Lanarkshire, and we were working with the Youth Council to put in a funding bid of £2,000 for a residential for all the youth councils. So the way it works is there's six youth councils in for every local uh, every locality in North Lanarkshire. And then there's um, the kind of the local authority one where representatives can go and sit on from the youth councils, like the separate youth councils and MSYPs and stuff. So that's the structure for that. So we wanted to do a residential for all the youth forums to come on. Um, so it was about 60 young people and we were like, how are we going to do this for £2,000? Like, you know how expensive residentials are? They're an absolute bomb. Aye. So we were like, right, we'll use Palestine Country Park again because it went really well the last time. We'd, nobody stayed overnight, but we thought we'll give it a go. So in Northland, they've got a, a TV store with all the tents in and people can just take them for free for expeds and all this kind of stuff. So we were like, right, 
we'll go camping, stuff it. This will be a laugh. We'll, it'll happen. It'll be fine. Um, and we managed to get 60 young people camping, talking about mental health. We linked in um, NHS workers. Uh, we did some outdoor kind of therapy stuff with the Countryside Rangers. And it was really great until we got to, <laughs> we got to like the second day and it was like, it just started teaming a rain. So there was like 40 odd tents or something. And it looked like something to team the park because it was raining so much. And we oh, had no. to get them all back to our community centre and dry them. And then we'd had all this pasta left over. Like we must have bought enough pasta from like the 500. <laughs> it was like people had to cook their meal and there was all this pasta and sauces left. Um, but it was really good. And I think um, everybody got a lot out of it. So... Yeah, it's like if anybody's looking for a cheap residential to do camping, it's definitely way forward and cooking their own meals and all that. But it's really great. So it was, and it was just a good laugh. So it was, we did like um, the evening entertainment was party dances. And you know what I'm like, stick on a bit of Saturday night and <laughs> we're all good. It was definitely um, And then that's my kind of past highlight. And then my future highlight um, is from this year. So like we've been doing in school, um, me and the head teacher who, um, kind of been directly working on LGBT charter marks. So it's a, an award that you can get through LGBT Scotland that um, shows the wider community that um, inclusion and equality are at the heart of your school. So we've been looking at things like different policies and making up um, a kind of policy with the PE department that just finished. So it's like an LGBT plus inclusion policy and um, looking at stuff like social dance when you don't say boy girl partner, you say like the leader and the follower. And like you use LGBT inspirational people in sport to in lessons and like all this kind of normalizing behavior and stuff with the policy. So it's been really good to do that. And then just getting the young people involved because there's a bit, um, we've been looking at all the charter standards and um, we just finished making up the um, LGBT plus section of the school website. So young people made a bit of it. Um, a teacher made a bit of it. Um, I made a bit of it. So it's, there's like a bit for parent carers and families teachers, young people, and it's really good. It just shows you um, where you can go for support, both locally and nationally. And um, some kind of frequently asked questions. It's like, how do you ask somebody about their gender pronouns that they use? What would they prefer? And just kind of try to break that stigma because um, Shetland's a bit kind of behind on all of that and they've not really heard a lot of it and there's still a bit of stigma going around. So it's good just to kind of, it's been great to kind of get to the heart of it all and just work on different areas. Well, that's great use of ra- uh, raising awareness. Yeah, it all started um, last year with the People Council. So they were doing their participatory democracy certificate. And one of the things they've got to do as part of that is research the issues young people are facing at school. So we've done um, six year group assemblies where young people could answer anonymously on their phones. And one of the questions was around LGBT. So it was like, how do we make them LGBT plus community in school more included or something kind of similar like that? But um, because they could answer it on their phone, they technically could write with their what they wanted to. So there was a lot of like derogatory slurs, stigma, and it was stuff like if there's an LGBT group, why isn't there a straight group? And just different stuff. And it kind of was the catalyst for us starting our charter mark journey because we wanted to really take action and make sure that young people and staff were clear on what will be accepted and what won't be accepted in terms of behaviour. And it's been a lot of kind of giving the staff the confidence and um, to be able to challenge that. So even stuff like um, casually saying that's so gay, but you're actually saying that in a negative way about something that you don't like and you're saying that you don't like gay people and all this kind of stuff. So it's been really interesting just to kind of give staff that confidence. And we've had um, a couple of young people who've come out as non-binary. So because it's not a, a usual LGBT identity that you really deal with, 
um, those young people identify as they, them and theirs. But I've had, since that happened, like a couple of teachers have got those young people in their classes and they've actually emailed me asking for like um, inclusive group words. So like, how would you introduce a class? So like saying hi folks or everyone rather than saying hi boys and girls or all that kind of stuff. So it's been really good just to kind of raise um, awareness and acceptance that way with you and just been putting up like posters and like obviously all the LGBT Scotland ones are all rainbow so they're kind of <laughs> a bit in your face but it's good um, to kind of raise awareness and just have bright colours everywhere that everybody can see and um, nice subtle messages so it's been good. That must mean so much to the young people as well. Yeah it's been good there's a um, quite a big growing LGBT plus community in the school because last year we had 11 um, members of the group um, but this year it's went up to 35 so there's quite a lot of young people that are not not all like, um, identifying as LGBT plus some people are allies but it's even just showing you that kind of growing acceptance which has been really good yeah, that's so positive man that's brilliant and I hope it keeps growing yeah no it'll be good and the charter mark's just been such a great thing it's like you get your charter mark manager from it's like someone from LGBT Scotland and you meet with them um, once a term so it's like me the head teacher and this person meet once a term to go over what we've got to do um, all the staff are receiving training from LGBT Scotland about like gender prejudice how to challenge um, gender based bullying and LGBT prejudice bullying and all that kind of stuff and using the right gender pronouns and then it's just like um, like last year um, the group made up a workshop for, on LGBT awareness that they wanted delivered to staff so they actually delivered the workshop to staff and we had about, um, I think there's about 80 teachers, 80 teachers in the school, so about 40 of them came to this workshop and were able to kind of take part in an informal way. You know what it's like when we're doing youth work workshops? It's not like PowerPoint or anything. So I had like music blaring when they were coming in and what's your name and your favourite flavour of ice cream? And then we got right into it and they were able to really ask us kind of questions about what they were feeling worried about or if they were concerned with stuff that was happening in classes or behaviour and all that kind of stuff. So it was really good. Um just kind of been building it up slowly but it's kind of starting to take awareness and um, acceptance has grown now so it's been great been really fun ah brilliant man brilliant you know it's really positive as well as many teachers attended that because that shows that they're willing to learn so the young people understand that right well there's change maybe happening here so that's a brilliant man brilliant that's so good yeah um so then that That'll take us on the now. So what's have you had any challenges or any setbacks that you've had in your career? And if, if so, then what have you learned from them? Um, well, the biggest challenge with uh, this job, um, well, there's probably two. When, um, like, youth working skills in Shetland is quite a new thing. So, like, a lot of people didn't really know about it, whereas back home it's been about for years and I had a youth worker at school and all this kind of stuff. So um, it's just about building up kind of relationships with staff so every staff like every department has their own um, place for lunch like a staff base that they go to for lunch mm. so even just stuff like um, going around each person's staff base for lunch and introducing yourself and making sure they all know you sending out all staff emails and um, we, we had the Christmas do last year and honestly God, I was a total riot so it was, it was like me and the dinner ladies that went to mine for pre-drinks and stuff and it was like I started my job in September and the night out was in the December and I hardly knew anybody. So we were like half cut singing all these Christmas songs dead loudly like throughout the meal and all these teachers were behind us like these really respectable people. 
<laughs> it was dead funny. And then Saturday night came on at one point and I was like, right, everybody, let's go. And all these teachers came up dancing with me and that, so it was quite funny. But um, just building up that with staff, because even like stuff like that really helps when you're coming to do stuff like that Sunday tea thing. So like you can call on people that you've got a good relationship with staff-wise, like the canteen or home economics or whether a staff member needs help with something or they know that you can offer something completely different that no other member of staff in the school can because it's a completely different service. So it's been really good that way. Um, and it's been really positive to build up that relationship with staff and even just like being on a first name basis with everyone, making sure that you're still checking in with everybody and seeing them every day, it really helps. Um, and then probably the second thing for me um, is kind of time constraints. Um, and spinning so many programs and plates in school so like you've got your timetable but you've only got so many periods what programs do you want to deliver what ones don't you have time for that you can't deliver this year but maybe you'll do next year and you've got to have a think about all of that but it's just about being organized and before this job I probably wasn't very organized but this job's kind of forced me to be on the ball with everything because you can't afford to take your eye off it and it's like if you don't have something sorted and you've only got so many weeks then does that mean that young people lose out on a piece of accreditation that they could have had or does it mean that something doesn't happen so you've got to make sure that you're completely committed and on the ball but it's been good to do and even stuff like breakfast club that I do in school it starts at eight o'clock well I've got to be in school every day for eight o'clock for it starting at 8 20. Honest to God, man, I am not a morning person. I really struggle with getting up in the morning. But because it helps so many people, um, it's just like a grab-and-go thing at the front of the school so they can get, like, cereal bars, and I play my Alexa. So even just stuff like that, making sure you're in on time. But I tell you, sometimes it's a close call. The first bus is coming in to get people into school, and I'm running in after it and trying to get people breakfast. So it's quite funny. But um, it's been interesting and just kind of making sure definitely if you're in a school doing youth work I'd say you've got to be on the ball and got to be organised so that's probably the biggest challenge for me and just getting to grips like there's been a lot of new um, kind of programmes for me so like MVP making sure that you can take young people on the training that you can speak to them about gender norms and like a lot of the stuff that we would have done at uni so it was like um, there was a there's a one on it it's called it's either porn or expectations so it's like a guy that your friends with has looked at something in porn that he sees and he wants to try with his girlfriend but she's not sure but he thinks he can convince her so it's all around like that kind of pressure and then there's like agree disagree statements so it's like we had 22 young people doing MVP this year so like um it was like porn is an example of sex education and all of, all of them went to agree no disagree all of them went to disagree and this one boy went to agree in sixth year and they were all laughing at him for it and I was like well hold on a minute it actually takes a lot to stand out from the crowd and have your own opinion and I was like well maybe porn could be a form of sex education it's probably taking it with a pinch of salt because it's quite misconstrued and all of that yeah. but there is some truth in that and stuff so it was quite interesting to like actually challenge on that and get them to get up to the program because I was quite worried about that training day but it went on fine and then even just stuff like um, like Club Achieve with their points, like you've got to be so organised for Club Achieve because they've got uh, 21 points to get their national four or five and you've got to make sure they do the right amount of units with the right amount of points to get their national four or five at the end of their programme. So it's just, and even they've got like workbooks, so it's like looking through it all and if it says examples and they've only given one example then they need to give another one name to go back to them and all that kind of stuff. So it's been quite interesting but then you've got like a May deadline for them getting their award and all that kind of stuff so it's it's been good just to kind of 
add a lot of strings to your bow, I would say, for this job. Uh, definitely, and I think that the qualification side of things and the accreditation is so important, and it is that if you could potentially miss a week or you maybe don't fully deliver the workshop in a certain way and then yeah. you're chasing your tail, it's, it's really important to be on top of that stuff. Um, yeah. Especially if you're not used to it, it's so hard. So yeah. it's because the awards, and, and the you've work, got so really, many awards. Yeah, there's tonnage, so there is, and I just think if they're doing the work, then why wouldn't you put them through an award? So see, and to be fair, this isn't one of the questions I was thinking about, but it's just something I'm interested in. So see, when you plan your work in the school, do you plan it, is it yearly, like academic yearly, or is it terms, or is it like a mixture just depending on the programme? Uh, it's done uh, academic year-wise. So okay. what happens is we have a youth work offer in Shetland that gets put out to all high schools. So it has all the programmes that we can deliver um, to any school. So any worker who's competent enough and able to do that. Um, and then we said, well, everybody sits down with their uh, senior management team in school and sees what they want us to deliver. So it's very much responding to the needs of the school. It changes every year um, and just kind of um, planning it on a yearly basis. So it might be like, oh, we've got not, not got enough young people to do young enterprise, but maybe they'll do MVP or maybe just having different stuff. But one thing that is um, always going to be on the offer for me anyway is Club Achieve because it's a timetabled subject. Okay. I've always got Club Achieve, but then um, next year we might not have, um, try to think of one that Pupil Council might not do their participatory democracy certificate, but maybe they'll do some kind of other award or just changes that you can make that it's quite flexible. So it, is, so it just depends on um, what the schools want and the feedback you've got from young people, um, if they've enjoyed their programme, what did they like, what didn't they like, and just kind of always improving your practice for those groups coming through. And making sure that the young people are involved in that is really important. Yeah, uh, you know, it's something that um, we we do a bit of a mixture. It just depends, maybe the nature of the group, or um, maybe what the purpose is behind it, and some time scales. So, um, I like the whole year approach. I think yeah. that then it gives you a lot of time to achieve and properly achieve, and rather than yeah. sometimes a twelve week block. It's good for some things, but then twelve weeks, if it's just prescribed, is that is not always enough? Um, yeah. So it just depends on the nature of the program. So no, that's that's cool. It's the academic year. Yeah, it's been good for stuff because I've got um, like Duke of Edinburgh, like it's in four bits, obviously, and um, like they've done their volunteering with me in school and they're doing their expedition training as part. Of, like I just got their. Um, six years pre-periods and I've turned it into stuff so like Duke of Edinburgh Young Enterprise becomes something else if they've all got a free period in common so it's quite good that way but they're doing their expedition training with me and then they only have to worry about half of it at home because they've got a lot of pressure going on at school and they're doing hires and whatever so I think if we can kind of alleviate that quite a good bit then we might as well. Definitely man definitely um, so is there anything that you would maybe change within CLD? Um, well, I was thinking about this quite a lot. It's quite a big question. It's a hard question. It's a hard question. Well, I was thinking that probably that we get um, more funding um, because there's been quite a lot of funding cuts across the board. Shetland's been quite lucky because the council sees the value in it and invests in it quite a lot. But um, I've been in other places where they do cut, they've had funding cut or like during year of young people, is it somewhere? I remember it was a local authority, but they their young people were protesting because there was being cuts to CLD. It was during year of young people. I remember it being quite a high profile thing, but just stuff like that, and just being seen as like an essential service because often like 
CLT is seen as an er a service that's easy to cut. Um, despite all the crucial um, and tailored support that we can offer to so many individuals and just really taking the time with a lot of people, whether it's stuff like ESOL or employment support, um, we can just build that relationship up with people. And I think a lot of people don't know that CLD is actually a service from the cradle to the grave. Like we can help any age, any stage um, and really make a difference to an individual's life on the experience that we're going to give them. Yeah, just kind of having it seen as that recognition of that's what it is and that's the service that we offer. Uh, do you have any ideas about how you could change that perception for CLD to be, come, to be looked upon as an essential service? Um, well, even stuff like this, like um, just shouting about what we do and making people aware because it's a service that often gets forgetting, uh, forgotten about and just making sure that you're telling everybody about the work you're doing and you're promoting it if you've got a work Twitter or work Facebook or the projects that young people have done, the groups that they've been involved in, the like that thing with the um, Sunday teas, I was posting on Facebook pictures of them doing it and saying that they'd raised £850 for the food bank, taking them all like half the year to pull this together. They had to think about all the health and safety. So it's kind of just making people aware of the work that's going on. Um, because if you do that, then you'll be indispensable, I suppose, to society and to the community because they'll really see the value in youth work. And well, not just youth work, but CLD. Uh, definitely man I, th I think self-promotion is something that we're not always great at because um, mm -hmm. we do do amazing work there's incredible work that happens across the country so this is the last question that will sit at the end of every podcast um, so what advice would you give to someone looking to start a career in CLD um, for me it's probably about taking every opportunity that you get so like within youth work within CLD there's always opportunities that come along and it's important that you just embrace each of them, no matter what it is, um, and just take everything that you can from it because it's just never ending and it's great that we can offer so much to people who are starting out or um, even doing stuff like the uni course. I would totally recommend that to everyone because I just feel like you can walk the walk a lot of the time, but sometimes you can't talk the talk, but like the theory behind it, um, like how youth work's been, well, CLD's been about and why we do the things that we do, how we do it. Um, and even just doing stuff like the uni course is really great for having that backup and that theoretical knowledge behind it. Um, so just taking like every opportunity and um, having a bit of variety is really good, I would say, um, because you could be, stick to one thing for a long time and then you've not got a lot of experience in anything else. So it's important to kind of branch out and just push yourself out of your comfort zone and challenge yourself a lot of the time. So I know, man, I think you're, you're totally right take opportunities um, I think that's definitely what folks should do and don't be shy I think that's yeah. also another thing just don't be shy to ask as well if there's potential opportunities definitely cool nice one man is there anything else that you'd like to maybe shout out or give a wee nod to before we finish up uh, no probably just the school and um, the youth work team there um, head teacher in my school is really the one who makes everything happen so her name's uh, Valerie Nicholson and she just makes everything happen so you know what it's like your like your youth work provision at school definitely depends on the relationship and understanding that a head teacher has of youth work because it can look so different across the board so it's great that um, the senior management team in the school that I am um, really embraces it and then just the youth work team we all do kind of really great work there's a school-based youth worker in every high school in Shetland um, so everybody's job looks so different and we all kind of react to the needs of the school, but we're all doing really great work. 
Brilliant, man. Nice one. So thanks very much for um, sitting with us. Cheers for joining and taking a wee punt to have a conversation. Well, thanks for having me. It's been an honour to come and chat. Hi right, folks, thanks very much for listening to this podcast and a massive thank you to Kevin for spending the time to catching up and sharing his journey. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at CLD Talks where you're able to join the conversation there and keep up to date with all future podcasts and make sure you hit that notification button and subscribe to the podcast. Thank you and see you next time.